I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? It's cold and wet, and that's not the way summer should be. It's very true. Uh, summer should be a little bit warmer than cold, So, but I'm really, uh, really stoked to be back. I, it's been an extra week since we've recorded. Normally, we try to do these every other week, but uh, we had to bump a week, so I apologize Uh I was going to say in advance. I apologize uh, right now. It's not in advance because we already we already skipped an episode. Yeah, life's been a little crazy for both of us. Yeah, it has been. But here's the thing. Uh, I thought this was going to be a light episode, uh, you know, just talking about Fear the Walking Dead, a couple news stories. One of them's not even really a news story. It's more just like, hey, we're going to we're going to chat about uh, a Netflix episode. But uh, no, we've got some news to dig into, so I'm not going to delay any further. has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. So, Lou, I'm not going to lie. There's going to be a lot of Resident Evil talk over the next 15 minutes, uh, starting off with the fact that Dead by Daylight during a anniversary stream announced that uh, Resident Evil, new Resident Evil content coming to the game, codenamed Project W coming in 2022 um lou i know you didn't get it you probably didn't get a chance to play the resident evil content yes i did oh, you did i did uh not a ton i played it a little bit uh i i picked it up for dead by daylight when it was on uh a sale i think last summer maybe it was like it was a couple months after it came out there was a sale and i picked that up as well as some other dlc for dead by daylight and that was when i realized i'm really not good at that game I'm just bad. Yeah, I'm not particularly great at it either. I'm terrible. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think if the matchmaking is on your side and you can get a fairly even game going, it can be a lot of fun. Um, I, I did pick up the Resident Evil chapter that came out last year and mostly stuck to the survivors, Leon and uh, Claire. Yeah, Leon and Claire. And... I think I even bought like a it was, for Christmas there had like holiday sweaters so I bought a holiday sweater for for Leon as well. So uh that was fun but uh this new chapter that's coming this year uh rumors and I can't believe I didn't make this connection before but rumors and leaks suggest it could feature Albert Wesker as the killer Project W Wesker. I mean it's not that hard yep. to make that leap, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's also talk that the survivor could be Ada Wong. That's cool. Uh, that, that Dead by Daylight is a game I thought I would absolutely love, and I'm glad it still makes DLC, and I'm glad it's got all kinds of stuff that they. I, I'm glad it's still a very active game with a very active community. I just don't know if it's for me. Yeah. So this is all exciting stuff. I mean, anything Resident Evil that makes makes Capcom some money makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. 
lots of Resident Evil on the horizon, not just video games, but, uh, you know, there also is a Netflix series coming. And speaking of Netflix, I, I tossed this news story. It's not really a news story. I tossed this topic into the news, uh, because really before 6 PM tonight, we had nothing else going on. Uh, but I wanted to highlight, uh, the new volume of love, death and robots, Episode four, Night of the Mini Dead, which is a zombie themed episode. This is the um, mature uh, anthology uh, animated series. Um, I think it's from David Fincher and, and uh, is it Tim Miller? I think the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's Tim Miller and David Fincher are executive producers. And a bunch of the episodes are pulled from short stories by famous authors and stuff. Uh, though this time there was a little less of that. Mm. And a lot of these are just kind of like showcase pieces. Um, and the mini dead is really just a four or five minute CG video. Uh, that's cute and funny and full of zombies killing people. It was really clever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's done in, um, it's done in a way of like, like, you know, they take the mini to heart. It's, uh, It'd be, I'm trying to remember back, but it's like, it's not like Lego minifigures. It's more like just everything's been shrunk down. Like it's miniaturized. Yeah. When the, when you so. hear characters talk, you don't hear them. You just hear, and you're like, oh, okay. All right. I know what I'm in for here. Yeah. Until the very end when the president talks, but, uh, which yeah. is a little more clear, but it is, it is very short. If you have Netflix, um, first of all, you should watch Love, Death and Robots. Like I said, it's it's very mature. It's a lot of a lot of gore, uh, a lot of swearing. And 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 I will say the same thing I've always said about Love, Death and Robots when it come up in topics. It's not for everybody. No. Uh, I only usually like about 50 percent of the episodes. Exactly. Like some of these are just art pieces. Um, uh, Some of these are some of these are just showcasing video demos or actress demos um and i will say the other episode i really liked besides uh this uh mini of the dead that is sort of zombie related is there's also like a cthulhu related episode um a bunch of soldiers uh call of duty style uh chase a soldier into a cave uh, a captured soldier into a cave and they find out that they're being sacrificed to some kind of like Cthulhu monster. And it's kind of neat. And it's a little zombie ish. Hmm. I have not, uh, I have not watched that one yet. I think I'm, I think I've just started uh, the first few minutes. I, I it's, uh, it's funny Forewarning: It is definitely not for the children. I oh, mean, none of them are, but none this of one are. is definitely not for the children. Yeah. Like it, I mean, I know this is a podcast solely focused on zombies and really zombies, uh, you know, with the gore and the swearing and the, Oh my God, don't eat me type stuff is not for kids. Um, but love death and robots is very much for mature audiences. And, um, and it's funny too, cause not every episode feels like it's for mature audiences. And then all of a sudden you get to the next one and you go, Oh, that's right. This is mature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, some of the episodes are really weird. And like I said, like Lou said, actually, like you're not going to love all of them, but there's usually, I'd say, like you said, half of them that really stand out and they're so short. You know, I think all of them are under 20 minutes each. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I would say I think the longest is like 15. Yeah, they're very short. So 
Um, definitely check out episode four at the very least. So if you've subscribed to Netflix for Stranger Things this month, um, check out Love, Death, and Robots episode four. All right, Lou, now let's get into uh, the state of play news from sure. PlayStation. Um, with uh, a confirmation of a rumor that's been long flying around that Resident Evil 4 will be getting a remake. Well, well, it's not even it's not even a rumor. We knew it was coming. We just didn't have a release date. Yeah. So now it's been confirmed as March. Uh, oh, you know what? I had the it's March 23rd, I'm guessing, but it's 2023. Uh, that's still that's that's like six to nine months away. That's not that bad. Yeah. March 24th, 2023. And they had the tr- and, and the trailer they show here. I like it. Um, It definitely looks like they're taking some of the, the, the goofiness. Like, I love Resident Evil 4, but it is kind of goofy. What you buying every time you meet the soldier? And the little short dude is not creepy. He's really funny. Like, he's not supposed to be funny. He's supposed to creep you out. And the hooded figure guy is supposed... It it, it, it has not... As much as I love that game, well, after playing 7 and 8 and the remakes of, of 2 and 3, you know... There is a campiness feel, but Resident Evil 4 feels super campy. Um, my hope is is that they're going to remove some of the characters from 4 and maybe tighten up some of the plot. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it looks as though they're... So they have there's a blog post that we'll link to in the show notes, and basically the developers um, are talking about how they're going to take Resident Evil 4 and modernize the look and feel, modernize the gameplay. Because again, the original came out in 2005. Don't get me wrong, it's a beloved entry in the franchise. But um, as you were saying pre-show, Lou, like you just went back to it, it's, it, it is very much a 2005 game. Yeah, it, as I was telling Ryan, um, it just became Steam Deck compatible. So I downloaded it on I have it on Steam, so I downloaded it to see if it was how it played on Steam my Steam Deck. And it plays really well, but having now played the remake and played some other stuff, the controls feel a lot more clunkier than I remember them being. And I was like, oh, this isn't as smooth as I remember it being. Oh, okay. And uh I still enjoyed a little bit of time with it. But I immediately uninstalled it after about an hour or two of gameplay. I was like, yeah, there's a remake coming. I will I will wait for that. Yeah. Yeah, this looks really good. Um, it, uh, it feels like they're really taking what they've done with the remake of two and three and are uh, applying it to four with um, taking the graphics and, and making them more realistic. Uh I mean, if you look back at Resident Evil 4, um, and, and recently I've been playing the uh, the VR port. I, I should call it a port. It's not a remake, but the VR port. And it, it, it it's a game that kind of feels cartoony in hindsight. You know, um, it could have been just the hardware it launched on, but like really it was more of a cartoony take as opposed to the more darker, grittier uh, Resident Evils that we've gotten over the last, um, last few years. Even five feels a little less cartoony than than four Mm -hmm. yeah and i never realized it till the last time i tried to play it and i was like oh wow this isn't aged well (laughs) like i still like it but it hasn't but it's as much a nostalgia thing for me as it is that i just enjoyed the game yeah 
Yeah, well, uh, the remake will be launching in March of next year. It's going to be coming to current generation consoles. That's PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series consoles, as well as PC. And a little tag at the end of the announcement trailer as part of State of Play confirmed that there would be PS VR 2 content. Um, so if you're looking to pick up the new PlayStation VR headset later this year, you can look forward to Resident Evil 4 content uh in the next year so um but not to be outdone uh more lots of capcom news by the way in the state of play uh which also included resident evil village would be getting a vr port to the playstation vr2 um likely later this year probably in time for launch no word on whether this would be sold separately or just like a like an update um my guess is they did something similar if i remember right with seven and if you owned seven they didn't force you to buy it but i think it was like a 20 dollar add-on or something yeah i think seven was just like you could play it in vr or or not like it was you bought it once and it was just there is that Um, what it was i can't remember because i'm not a vr guy so i didn't play it yeah, like here's the thing. There's um there is some work that's going into this. Obviously, it's not just, you know, hit export to VR. It's never that simple. But um they're making some changes uh including the fact that uh Ethan will be able to dual wield in the VR version of Resident Evil Village. Um there's some extra mechanics specific to the PlayStation VR2 uh sense controllers. So I mean, I'd imagine this is going to be my my assumption is that this is going to be a um, separate purchase. Uh, maybe there'll be a discount for owners of Village. I'm guessing there'll be a discount. Capcom's usually pretty good about it. They don't make you pay full price for the same game twice. Yeah, Capcom is. Uh, they they they're more they're much they're much more they're less stringent than Square. Square tends to make you pay the gate buy the game full price and the biggest discount they ever give you is 20% off. Yeah. Yeah. They're no square, but square was also present in the state of play. I mean, if you're a fan of, uh, you know, Japanese developers, there was lots of great stuff in the state of play. Um, but, uh, one final story from the state of play was the fact that we got a new look at the walking dead saints and sinners chapter two colon retribution. We have not had a title like this, since Resident Evil 2 Revelations to Episode 1 Penal Colony. Um, yeah. So. I need to play that again. I don't know if I gave that a fair shake back in the day. I honestly think I just, uh, I pushed you and and Bob uh, off that just by constantly <laughs> repeating Revel- Resident Evil Revelations to Episode 1 Penal Colony. I just remember I had been playing something else that was resident evil related and having a good time with it and then i loaded that back that game up and it immediately throws like the weird crappy puzzles at you like five seconds in and if you don't know what to do immediately in the puzzle you die and i was like and i and i died like five or six times and i was like f this game yeah there's definitely uh there's definitely some stuff in that one but i mean uh this is so this is not exclusive to the psvr this is about this is a vr game by the way the saints and sinners chapter two i assume so because the first one was yeah yeah the, it was originally announced so this was this entry was originally announced at uh an oculus or i guess i should say a a meta vr event 
Um, so it's coming to the Quest 2 as well as the PS VR 2. But this trailer offered some more look at not only what the game will look like when you have a, a dedicated piece of hardware uh, powering the game, because the difference between the PSVR 2 and the Quest 2 is that the Quest 2 is it's it's wireless. It's all the the computing parts are in the headset, whereas the PSVR 2, the computing device is your PlayStation 5. Um, so I actually went back and watched parts of the the meta announcement, and there is a clear fidelity difference between the two. Um, that being said, uh, this new look at the gameplay it, it very much much looks like they're they're ramping up the action that was present in the first one. And I played a bit of the first one, and while I appreciated that it was a very well made VR game, um, it was too much motion for me yeah i think you remember i think you remember saying it was a little it made you a little motion sick yeah not not only that it also like i get a, I get a bit um when there's when the game like when a game like saints and sinners comes around where you are having to actively move uh and and and, and swing your arms around and make wild gestures to uh to not uh to not get uh, eaten by zombies I, I often worry, like, I know my luck. I'm going to, like, slam one of these very expensive controllers into a wall or hit the ceiling or or the headset, for that matter. And um, even playing Beat Saber, I've I've accidentally, like, kind of whacked the front of the, the headset. Um, I, I'm not a very graceful VR player, and I think that was my biggest problem with the first one is, like, I just felt like, ah, not only is it making me a little queasy... But um, I also feel like I have to like really sell my movements, and I I know I'm gonna. Sc- it's, I, I it's someone I forget where I heard this, but someone that was reviewing VR stuff said that a lot of first time VR games do that because they want you to feel like you're in the game, and the games that succeed are the ones that don't aren't as in your face about it as as that. And I remember when you gave me a review of the original Saints and Sinners that my thought was, yeah, they really wanted to sell you on the fact that you just bought this and they're trying to hit you in the face with VR. This isn't a regular video game. It's VR. And I think maybe if this one tones that back a bit, it might actually be a a better game. Yeah. The motions look a little more smoother in in this uh, second chapter. Um, I feel like maybe they're addressing a little bit of this. Uh, and having played some of the Resident Evil 4 VR port, I, I think VR developments have come a long way in terms of, like you said, early on when they were developing these more um, interactive experiences, uh, they kind of like oversold the action in a way where like, no, you got to you got to really, you know, uh, you know, sell it. Right. And and again, like it's just it's like the Wiimote, like even with the restraint that thing that thing is doing damage and i'm i'm always cognizant of that i i i'm not gonna lie even switch modes are dangerous um i recently played uh uh what's it called the new switch sports the wii sports thing a friend of mine picked it up and he didn't have straps on his switch controllers and i'm pretty sure at least three times that controller went flying across the room (laughs) oh man yeah, TVs are really expensive these days, and uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. I don't even want to tempt fate. No, no. Yeah. 
Well, here's the thing. Uh, we will continue to uh, keep an eye out for all of these games as they continue to develop as we get closer to release. Um, but that has been news brought to you by Resident Evil and the State of Play. But now we're going to move into a little bit of this. Lou, it's time. We're going to catch up on Fear the Walking Dead, at least part one. We'll have a little bit of break in between we catch up with part two. Um, But once again, our heroes have been divided. They've been scattered. Once again, the the showrunners have found a a way, in this case, uh, nuclear threats. It made sense when the way the last season ended, the nuclear bombs were going off, and we were curious as to how things were going to go play out and we talked about the first episode a while ago you know uh uh, strand has his little fortress in the tower that he's got troops going out and they're trying to get supplies and uh it it was fine it was interesting and then strand meets a guy who tells him that you know alicia's alive i think or something like that and and then he killed the strand kills him and it doesn't make any sense but it well, it it makes sense. But it's supposed to show you that Strand is kind of slowly starting to lose his mind. He's becoming our new villain, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I mean, I kind of like that. You know, Strand has always been sort of the black sheep of the show. From the moment you went, from the moment you he he joined the cast, you like him, but you always know there's something off about him. And 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 sometimes he redeems himself. And then sometimes he doesn't necessarily redeem himself and then he'll redeem himself for a season. And then the next season, he kind of goes back to his old ways. And I I kind of like that about his character, but this season is a little heavy handed with him and that's okay. It, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that he won't be back for next season or if he is, if he is back for next season, it's we're going to, he won't make it another season. <laughs> No, I mean, eventually they got to they got to have him hang up the hat, right? Like, uh, I think we talked about this previously and just that if Strand is going to go full Strand, there's only so many times you can pull him back from the brink and be like, you know, he's not the great the greatest at apologizing. And I think he's already played that card a couple of times over the past couple of years. Yeah, no, he's 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 gone bad, like with the with with the Virginia and the the. Uh, the rangers or whatever the hell they were the pioneers i think they were um pioneers like i think that's right pioneers yeah yeah i I think that's what they called themselves but like he joined her and he helped her out but in the back end you knew he was always helping morgan and the others and it always made sense and this time it's not that he's definitely become the villain so I don't know how they're going to redeem him or if they even can. No. Um, it it really felt like in this part of the season, um, and full disclosure, I have not watched the last two episodes in, in or episodes seven and eight, but I did read through some synopsis and, and, and Lou did finish them. I did finish them. So my feelings, though, on the sort of beginning of this, this part one of season seven, it, it really felt like we were checking in with each of the heroes. And once again, Morgan was kind of the connective tissue um, or or Strand was. And like, yeah, Strand, 
while disagreeing with Morgan, like is and is very hostile towards Morgan and basically saying like, look, like I'm going to survive my way. I'm going to do what you couldn't do, but everyone's allowed in, but you basically. And, and, uh, and it was, it, it felt very vindictive of like, you know, it seems like you you could just apologize. It seems like you could just apologize and everything could be fine. And I know from what I read later on in part one, there is a bit of a understanding that is struck between the two characters, but that is then again upended by uh, Alicia popping back up. So like there's definitely some chaos. Morgan does something that's sort of out of character. Right. Um, I think it's the first moment that this show has kind of done something with Morgan where I've been like, yeah, that doesn't feel very Morgan-y. Oh, right. Cause he poisoned uh, strand, right? He poisoned strand. And I, I don't, it, that doesn't, it, it doesn't even really make sense to the plot. If that makes sense to you, it 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 seems to me like uh okay, that seems out of character. And it seems like Morgan was putting himself and the child he was trying to save at risk. And that seemed like a really bad idea. Yeah. Like I don't know what Morgan thought he was gonna get out of it, and they never really fully explain it. It felt like they need it feels like the writers came up with the idea and then my thought was obviously that the painter chick that was painting him was going to be the poisoner because that seemed to make the most sense. And I thought that that would have been a more interesting idea. And instead they made it Morgan. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was, that was where this season started to lose me. Um, when we did our check-ins with each hero, I really liked every check-in. Um, I, I have a hard time remembering their names because they jumped around so much. Yes. Are you talking about um Dory and uh, Dory and uh, the daughter-in-law now? Oh, June. Uh June. The, their story I thought was really interesting. Um and I liked how the mechanic was he is going through the DTs and he had to figure out whether or not he was hallucinating or not. And I thought that was interesting. Um I was worried they were going to actually show to imply that there was ghosts and they didn't. They end up finding the body, but that he wants to find, but it it's not where they thought it was. It was with them the whole time. I thought that was interesting. Um, and I liked where, how they re I liked how they got saved by strand. I thought that was interesting and it added a new dynamic because strand is, it, it, they were laying on that strand was going to be the villain where they started to lose me was when strand started turning away people that were a former cast members of the show. And he's like, no, you can't join me. And I was like, you know, that's where he's starting to lose me. That it did. Some of the choices he makes didn't seem to make any sense. Mm. Yeah. It, it feels, it, it felt like from what I saw of strand, uh, his, his hubris started to show a little bit and it goes back to like, I think what he said was like, well, if you're not, if you if you can't offer anything to us, then you can't stay. And like, oh, if you come and then you want to leave, it's not a revolving door. You can't come back. And it's just a very, you know, his way or the highway type setup. And again, that never works. Time and time again, that is always upended in the world of Fear the Walking Dead and or or the Walking Dead in general. Um, so like, as soon as he was set up, he's like even walking around with his uniform and he's. He's all like, I'm the king or whatever. He's become a, a a Roman Caesar dictator. 
he's a cartoon character basically yeah he's yeah he the, the, and 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 i thought that that would be fun at first but after about four episodes of it i was kind of getting annoyed with him and being like somebody would just shoot this guy in the face it, 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 it it's the same kind of thing where as much as i'd like negan and i like that they've got negan redeeming himself at regular walking dead when negan is a total total jerk and like does things that are like really really bad you go no somebody would just shoot you in the face like you don't get you don't get to be a jerk like that for that long without somebody knocking you down a peg and i'm pretty sure that that's coming for for strand yeah well it, the thing is um you know it, it, it's just this show this universe goes back to this well so much in that oh another character uh, thinks his way or her way is the best way to do it and everyone's going to follow me and it's going to be fine. And I mean, it doesn't appear as though Strand rules with, at least from what I've seen, rules with fear. He rules with like, just basically like, hey, if you're with me, like everything's just going to work out just fine. I think like he is surrounded by fallout and and a nuclear disaster that, yeah, his tower that I think one of the numbers tossed around is like 200 people live there. Like he's got a good thing set up there, but he, as you said, he's still turning people away. He's still choosing who can seek sanctuary and who cannot. And I, I mean, from what I've read of the last two episodes, that does come back to to bite him, does it not? It comes back to bite him a bunch. Uh, they spend the whole episode while he's getting painted, and they imply that it's been like weeks, if not months, since people came knocking at his door. And he keeps turning people away, turning people away, turning people away, turning people away. And then somebody shows up at when Morgan's there, somebody shows up with a catapult and starts flinging the dead at the building over his wall. And when he gets that guy on the phone to talk to him, it's the guy that was in the beginning of the episode that he turned away that said he was an engineer or a carpenter. And he said, yeah, we don't need any more of you. We got plenty. Oh, you don't piss off the person who can build a catapult. <laughs> and then what you find out later is that that guy is also somebody that was with Ali- with Alicia. Uh, when they do the Alicia episode at the very end of this mid-season finale, uh, the guy's name is very unique. It's like Andor or, uh, or something like that. And uh, next thing you know, she get- meets all of Teddy's cultists and somebody's going to kill her. And this other guy shows up and saves her. And he's like, hi, my name is Andor. And you're like, oh, that's the bad guy. All right. I see where this is going. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, like I, I haven't watched those episodes. So obviously I have I've not seen Alicia throughout the entirety of, of the season. Like, how would you describe uh, her scenario in those last two episodes? So. What you may basically missed is she gets locked inside the, that that time sealed lock vault underground place, and Teddy's people are following her orders because that's what Teddy told them to do, and they're all crazy. And she finds one guy down there who's been hiding. It's kind of cheesy and kind of dumb, but I get what they were doing. He's been hiding in the empty room, some of the empty rooms and stuff of the the bunker because it's huge down there. Like you don't realize how big it is, but it's it seems huge. It seems like it's an underground mall is how big it seems. Mm-hmm. And um, 
he's been hiding from them, but living there amongst them, and they don't realize he's there. And he's one of the that vault was originally with a senator and a bunch of people. And when Teddy's people got them to open up the door because they said they were going to die, uh, Teddy killed everybody. And this guy happened to be doing maintenance in a tunnel, and that's how he didn't get killed. And he tells uh, Alicia that there was a plan in play and that the senator down there was supposed to take everybody to a place called Padre and Padre had enough supplies to basically save the world. There was farming equipment and a place to live and shelter and weapons and tools and everything that they would need to rebuild society in this place called Padre. Unfortunately, Teddy killed the senator, so nobody knows where Padre is. <laughs> of course he did. Great. And so when she meets Morgan in this in the episode, um, the premise is she wants Morgan to follow the senator around because she thinks the senator, as a zombie, will lead them to Padre. Like some reminiscence of his brain will lead them there. And I'm like, no, if this show does that, then this is that this is Walking Dead pulling needles out of a haystack. And finally, she and Morgan follow the zombie zombie senator around and he leads them to the tower. And she's like, we found it. And he's like, no, no, we didn't. We just found Victor. Oh, so is the implication that that's Padre, the tower? No, oh, not okay. at all. No, no, no. Uh, the implication is, is that Alicia realizes, oh, no, that's not good. And this is where the episode kind of loses me. Victor chases them around because Victor wants to kill Morgan. And a zombie bites Alicia and they make you go, oh, no, Alicia's been bit. She's going to die. But wait, how are they going to stretch this out over eight more episodes? And then it's revealed after uh, Strand leaves her because he's ashamed of that he might have cost her, got her to, to die and get her bit. It's revealed she pulls back the her glove and she shows uh, Morgan that she's already lost that arm. She was already bit and cut off her own arm. Uh, and that was and that was weeks, if not months ago. Right. And that she is infected. But for some reason, she's like like she has bouts where she gets really, really sick. And but she hasn't turned yet. But she knows it's only a matter of time before she turns. Huh. And so she's every day could be her last is the way she describes it to Morgan. Interesting. And that she and that she wants to help her people find Padre. And then at the end of the episode, it's revealed that she finds the body of the guy that Strand killed in the first episode. Yeah, his name is Will or something. Yeah, and she he she finds the body of Will, and Strand happens to be standing there, and she looks at Strand and she goes, "You killed him, didn't you?" And Strand's like, "You want me to lie?" <laughs> Strand, no. And, and she's like, and she's like, "But why did you kill him?" And he said, "Well, he said he was in love with you. We can't have that." What? I, it 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 makes no sense. Uh, and so the the season finale ends with her looking at, at, at Strand and says, we're going to war and you're going to, the, your tower will fall or something like that. And that's the end of the season. Mid-season, mid yeah. So by that logic, like, is Morgan caught in between these two? Or yes. is Morgan, okay. Morgan's helping Alicia, but 
uh, she's like, why did you try to kill Victor? And now she's realizing why he tried to kill Victor. Because <laughs> he's bad. He's gone off the deep end. All right. Well, that I mean, here's the thing. I, I did plan to watch it all. I, I will definitely watch it all. And uh, in a month's time, when we get back around to finishing Fear, I'll, I'll have it all done. I have to say, one of the episodes that we haven't touched yet that I will say I liked mm-hmm. was um, the wrestler episode. Oh, yeah. With Aisha Tyler, right? Yeah, with Aisha Tyler. I was totally expecting that episode to go in a direction where at the end of the episode, I knew that the husband she was looking for, they were going to find him dead. It was pretty obvious when the journey began that they were going there for not, that they were going to find out that he was dead. It made total sense. And then when they get there, I was expecting her to die there to save them. And it totally doesn't happen. She lives and rides off to them with them in the sun, in the sunset on a horse. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. That is not what I was expecting them to do, but she has, doesn't make any more appearances. The rest of the seat, the rest of this half of the season. I'm hoping Aisha Tyler comes back. Uh, And again, I wasn't surprised to see her. She directed like five or six episodes of last season, I think. Mm hmm. Or the seat in the season before, so she's been around on their set. So I mean, it doesn't surprise me they decided to just include her as a character. It was really cool to see her, and like I didn't recognize her at first, and eventually I was like, "Oh my, that that's Aisha Tyler." And I did look it up, and as you said, she directed a bunch of Fear as well as the main Walking Dead too. Yeah, and yeah. I think she's been on uh, Talking Dead a couple times as well. Yeah, she has because she directed a bunch of episodes. Yeah, so it's uh, that was a really good episode. Uh, another episode we haven't touched on, and, and it's a pretty big moment too, um, was uh, Al's episode where uh, Al sort of walks away. She leaves the show. Yeah, and I did not. I did not see. I did not know she left. And obviously, these episodes are from last fall. Um, I didn't realize she left in, until uh, actually till you told me and then I watched the episode. Um, that was one of my f- favorite episodes. I really liked that episode. I really liked how they sent her off and her journey to leave makes more sense. And I love the fact that they had her leave the camera behind. Yeah, she was starting to annoy a lot of people with that camera. Well, uh, not only that, but it was like a, it was like a developmental thing with her character that it was like she's begun she's gone beyond what she was doing before and it made sense for sender it out in the sunset and the first thing i did as soon as that episode ended was i looked up the actress to see if she was going to be back in the later part of the season and she isn't and then nothing on her imdb profile shows any more walking dead so i don't think we're going to see her again yeah she is uh it, like she has basically walked into the sunset with her crm partner right yeah, and the funny thing is, is I was totally expecting them to, I was expecting to look her up on IMDb and see her in the Rick movie. Yeah, I mean. But she's not. That's according to what I saw. There's nothing, no mention that she's going to be in the Rick movie. I think like there's, there's, oppor- there's a couple opportunities. There's opportunity to just basically like leave it as is, like they have to stay one step ahead of the CRM and that's what they're going to do for the for the rest of their lives, or until CRM fails, which is likely to happen at some point in in the future of the Walking Dead franchise. Um, or just leave it like it. It is a character that 
is happy now and uh, surviving, and it's just not a story being told on fear. I have a funny feeling that at some point she might make a cameo in like the Tales of the Walking Dead show, but I don't think we'll be back to having her as a full fledged character. No, at I, least not for a while. I agree. I don't think she's coming back to fear, but I could see her, like you said, popping up in a in a Tales episode where it's it's a bottle episode of them escaping a specific scenario of CRM, but it, like it doesn't seem like a big enough chase uh, for to be included with the Rick movies or to be included in some other, like they did the CRM spinoff. It, it didn't work uh, world beyond. It was what it was. And I just don't think it's stuck. And I think that's where CRM is likely just to be like, I think even with fear, they did CRM really well where it was just, they, they turned it back into this like mysterious government agency all powerful, very organized, as opposed in World Beyond, where like they're being fumbled by a bunch of teenagers, right? And yeah. it kind of it took the mystery and, um, frankly, the 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 fear out of CRM. World Beyond really, it, the more I think about it, World Beyond really was just poorly written and really not well thought out. I mean. We get in two seasons, we went from and the implication is, is that the story of World Beyond only takes place over the course of like six months. Right. Right. And these kids go from like being afraid of zombies and not knowing how to kill zombies to taking down a government organization. And I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. It, again, what is this, Hunger Games? It's not a great series. And I think it does like CRM was an interesting mystery. And I think they they just they fit it into the wrong show and i think with fear they they gave it a bit more bite back um now that being said like i worry now more for the rick movies which is going to feature crm much more much more closely so um yeah but i mean i i did enjoy what i saw of, of part one of season seven i will say that you know the nuclear followed is a bit much a lot of yellow like a lot of like um through the mask uh camera angles which i did not like I, I did not like the they would show people through the eyes and do like the the iron man thing but with people in face masks of yeah. gas masks and i understood what they were trying to do but it felt like a bad mistake yeah it wasn't and great it feels like they realized it too because what I noticed was they did it a bunch in like the first like three episodes or four episodes and somewhere around episode five or six, they stopped doing it all together. Yeah. Yeah. They did stop eventually. And I think, you know, it's kind of funny. Like every time they tried to explain that the nuclear follow was dangerous, they'd take like one, two steps forward, one step back in terms of like, no, it's really dangerous. And then there'd be a scene where they just like, Oh yeah, no, we, we don't need masks here. And uh, I again, like I know they have the the rad detectors and stuff, but like it felt like the like I know a lot of nukes went off all over the place, so there's a lot of large pockets of like really dangerous spots. But yeah, it, I mean, it felt like they didn't drop it, but they kind of like started to weave around it strategically. That didn't feel wrong. It just felt a little like no. And the other thing they did, which I knew they were gonna do is a bunch of those missiles were duds. Mm. And they said that. Like, they find... One of the plot points is they find a dud warhead. 
And the implication was that, like, I think it was seven missiles went off or eight missiles went off. And it sounds like maybe only three or four actually detonated. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed the idea of, like, getting basically a fallout season of, of fear. And I mean, like, the over-the-top strandness of it all really worked in that vein. So here's my gripe with it is, is that if there is all this fallout there then why aren't they going where there is no fallout? Like, like th- that's my only gripe with the whole season, is that if the nuclear bombs went off and Morgan and them are trapped inside the sub, why are they staying in the sub? Why don't they get in their car, put on their gear, and drive north? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I get, that, I get that a lot of nuclear bombs went off and, like, maybe half the country is raging with radiation, but then you get in the car and you drive till there's no radiation. Like, like I understand that nuclear explosion has fallout and it drifts and it causes problems and radiation sickness. And I understand all these things. But you're telling me that if they didn't get in a car, like, I believe they're supposed to be somewhere along the Texas coast, kind of Louisiana-ish area. Like, I, somewhere in there is where I've always understood where that's kind of where this plot was supposed to be. You're telling me that they didn't get in a car and they drove 300 miles, 400 miles north, or rode on horses 400 miles north for a month, you know, they wouldn't be out of the nuclear fallout? Why did, why stick around there? Keep moving. Well, I think there was one episode that kind of tried to address that sort of thought process, and I think it was the one where you did have folks that had radiation poisoning and, and they said, like, no, like... You can drive and go as long as you can, but eventually you're going to run out of supplies before you get out of the fallout and like one bad wind and suddenly you're you're stuck in it. And no, instead, they're going around in circles inside the wind and sleeping in tents. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. No, I mean, that's literally what Alicia's people are doing. Right. And and I was like, and I was like, no, like, why are you staying where you are? Uh, gather up as many supplies as you can and keep going. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Like, there's a whole other half of this season, and I fully have faith that um, the they will leave the nuclear wasteland behind next season. Like, I do not think you can do a whole other season. I'll give them half another half a season of this, but, I mean, I, I, I don't see how you can go another full season with well, the nuclear fallout. you have to remember... The showrunners have said the fallout, quote unquote, of Fear the Walking Dead will affect all of the the Walking Dead universe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have yet to see that, but hopefully, hopefully that's a misquote. I do remember that quote, though, and I do remember them saying like, yeah, other shows are going to are going to explore the impact of, of a bunch of nuclear bombs going on. And I mean, rightfully so, they should like, I mean, it's a big deal. They should. But it feels like, I don't know, like I, as much as I've liked this season, there are things I liked and then there's holes that you could jump through, you know, plot holes you could jump through. And I go, Ugh, OK, all right, I'll forgive it for now. It, it's it's like, again, it the premise of a nuclear disaster in a zombie apocalypse, like I think they they've explored some interesting parts um, while making some some very fantastical villains. And I look forward to finishing off 
uh, season seven. I think the final episode is uh, airing on Sunday, but is likely already up for AMC Plus subscribers. Um, which brings up a good point. Uh, so our next week, our next episode, rather, uh, we are going to be doing the Joe Bob Briggs uh, drive-in or watches. Last drive-in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what is it? Uh, the Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, where he watches Night of the Living Dead, and we thought that was such a, a nice way to... It, uh, uh, they, that's the way they started this new season, the new season, season four. It was the, the first episode was going to be their 100th movie. So he wanted to make sure that the hundredth movie was something that was like a classic or something that, you know, people would, people knew a bunch about. And it is, he covers the, uh, he covers night of the living dead. And, um, you know, we've talked about it on the show before long ago. We've talked, we've been guests on other shows where we talked about it. Um, and there's books about the making of the movie and uh, I've seen this episode of The Last Drive-In because I watch it every week. Ryan has not watched it yet, as far as I know. Um, he really breaks down the making of the movie and how it got made and how its copyright got screwed up in a simpler way than I've heard anybody break down. And we're talking about somebody who knows these knows stuff because he's met these people and talked to these people, and he makes it really clear. He knows the history of every actor in the movie. It's kind of crazy when he does his interstitials. And they also talk to uh, another late-night horror movie host who knew a bunch of stuff, too. So it's interesting. Cool. Well, I look forward to checking it out. And um, on the topic of AMC+, Plus, uh, I have not subscribed yet. I plan on doing a free trial to... uh, to check this out as well as the second half of fear and, and whatever comes next. But I was also planning to watch better call Saul, the new season. Uh, and I know this isn't zombie related, but it's AMC related and it's, it's tangential, but um, it turns out that the new season of better call Saul has like a shelf life on their own streaming service. Yep. Because AMC has a contract with Netflix and a couple other streaming services so they're only allowed to hold on to their own shows for a couple of weeks and then they get sent to sent to Netflix or whatever other streaming service has the rights. Yeah, like, I mean, I know that the second part is airing in July. So like the logic or maybe I think it's July that I could be confusing with Stranger Things. This whole like splitting of seasons can get confusing and it, it really is Breaking Bad's fault. Um, so it, it all comes back to AMC uh, in the end. But But the thing is like, Unless they're planning on putting part one of season six on Netflix before part two airs, like I don't, I don't like. Is there like a thirty day gap? It's, it's really annoying, and it turns out I'm, I'm likely have to, uh, I, I'll, I'll have to buy the the season or or wait. I will likely wait. I mean, there's so much going on, and I uh, trust me, dude. There's so much to watch at this point. I, uh, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> Well, it's partly the reason I haven't been able to finish Fear is, is there's just so much going on. It's an embarrassment of, of riches right now. But uh, all that ranting aside, we will talk about uh, the, the last driving with Joe Bob Briggs for Night of the Living Dead. That's going to be our Extra Life film, our second last one for our 2021 uh, Extra Life campaign. And yes, when we finish up these films, we will start talking about 2022 and, and what uh, what movies people can have us watch for Extra Life. But we got to get through these first. 
And uh, we'll also talk about Fear the Walking Dead Season 7 Part 2 um, sometime uh, either the end of June, early July, uh, as we head into the summer, looking forward to Tales from the Walking Dead. So lots on the horizon and, you know, all in there is a bunch of fun stuff like the Resident Evil Netflix series and just so much stuff, so much content. There's been a lot of stuff that seems to be coming recently that I was like, wow, there's a lot more zombie content. In fact, there's even some uh, game bundles that have been announced that are on various services that have had some zombie titles I didn't even know were zombie titles. And I was like, oh, wow, I might actually pick one of these game bundles up because there's a couple zombie games in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of good stuff. If you're a zombie fan, you've definitely got uh, pick of the litter. So look forward to all of that in the coming weeks, months, and years ahead. And uh, it should be noted that if the state of play that we covered this week is any indication, um, the ghost of E3 will be delivering further zombie news uh, as more companies announce their their new games. So um, we'll likely have some more video game zombie news next episode. So look forward to that. Lou, that is going to do it for this episode of Zamp. If you want to join in the conversation, you go to bit.ly slash Zamp Discord. Lots of great folks in there talking about zombies, posting about stuff they're watching, uh, stuff like that. I want to thank the patrons, patreon.com slash zombies ate my podcast, where you can directly support the show, help us watch movies, help us, uh, you know, watch TV shows, pay for hosting, that sort of stuff. And uh, speaking of hosting, visit our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can email us, info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can check us out on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Zombies Podcast. And while you're there, you can follow me at R. Murphy, Lou at BusyZombieLord. And finally, a quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. You can find more of his great stuff at joelduggan.com. And once again, before we leave this episode, Lou, some fine Busy Zombie Lord knowledge, please. This season of The Last Drive-In has been awesome. So if you that if that's the kind of thing that interests you, uh, definitely check out this season. It's been really good. 